Hello everyone, Steven here, also known as Stakui on TikTok, and welcome back to History of Everything. How are you doing today, my hoes? You can't call them that. Yes, I can. This is History of Everything with Stakui. Thus, they are my hoes. Okay. The acronym uh, works. It does. And I'm not Gabby V. Well, I'm actually Gabby V, but I'm not. Okay. Alright. Anyway, I saw what it is that you guys had liked with the previous video. Thank you all for leaving us reviews. Uh, honestly, I did not expect nearly as many people to watch a show about potatoes for 42 minutes. But I expected no one to listen to our show. It was good stuff. I said that sarcastically. It was definitely good stuff, and I deeply appreciate the listens. For those of you that want to advise us on, on what it is that we should do next, please do tell us. Leave it in the comments. Leave it in the reviews. Go ahead and tell us in Discord. Definitely in Discord, because we're more likely to see it there. Correct. Now, on today's episode, I feel that we should talk about animals. Everyone loves animals. You love animals, don't you, Gabby? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about some tales of animals. Now, some of them are sad. Some no. of them are angry. No, not, not necessarily the ones for today, but you don't know. We're not going to spoil anything. only, please. Well, how about resilience? Because cats, dogs, birds, literally everything throughout the entirety of history have been used in a variety of different ways. Like, during World War II, many cats became known for their services on ships for the role of being, well, ship cats. That was a literal position that was officially recognized by several navies. So the main purpose of having those pets on board was to fight against rodents, since rats create a lot of trouble for crew, they carry germs, and could even cause the plague, depending on where you were. People in Europe probably would have been very aware of that going back into the 13 and 1400s. That is something that definitely happened. And so animals like cats were necessary. Rodents were the reason for the prevalence of cats aboard, but the, it wasn't just the main one. They also provided companionship, and they served as a good luck charm for the crew, so it really helped the ship be relieved of some measure of stress. This was a very valuable thing for them. And so our story today is about one such cat known as Sam. But it wasn't originally called Sam. The reason this pet is famous, the reason why Sam is such a big deal, is that he earned the nickname Unsinkable Sam. And this was because during his experience in the Navy, he survived not one, not two, but three different ships sinking. What? Yep. This cat was purportedly on three different ships, all of which sank, and yet somehow this cat did not die. Throughout all of it. I know that may sound like a bit of a spoiler for it here, but it's really not considering just... If you get the tale, or the epithet, unsinkable, I'm pretty sure that means that you can't be killed. That is true. I mean, he's probably down on his fifth life rather than, you know, having nine lives to go, but... Anyway, let, let's tell the story. It begins with the Bismarck, 1940. You've probably listened to the Sabaton song, Bismarck. You remember this distinctly well, Gabby. And what made this pet more famous, as I said, is that it survived three sinkings, but also for the fact that it started on the Bismarck in 1941. So this cat was about two years old when one of the sailors of the German Nazi battleship, the Bismarck, carried him on board. At the time, his name was not Sam, it was Oscar, and it was this short little black cat with writhy white hair, uh, white and black hair and lively eyes. And during his first 
and last journey, the Bismarck was sunk in the open sea after a long hunt and intense cannonade by the British Navy. So it was on the 27th of May that only 115 sailors out of more than 2,000 that had embarked on the Bismarck survived the sinking. This cat was found hours later floating on a board, and he had survived by clawing on like one of these wooden grates and just literally mewling at sea. Like literally it's just this cat floating on basically this board at sea. And so when some crewmen of the HMS Cossack found the cat in the sea, they shouted, Oscar. And you might think, why the hell are they calling this cat Oscar? That it's Sam, but you know, they don't know that it's Sam. So why are they calling it Oscar? Well, Oscar, which also meant man overboard In the International Code of Signals, that is an exclamation used to indicate if a person has fallen off a ship and needs immediate rescue. So when you would hear someone crying out like in something, man overboard, they might literally say Oscar, like it's just a short, punctual term for it. And so after they successfully pulled the cat out, they felt they needed to give it a name as this cat was going to be their new ship's cat. So it was... Yes, it was kind of a thing that they just called out Oscar. So they just called him Oscar. That's just what they named him. So the ship cat starts his new career on the HMS Cossack. And unfortunately, history would repeat itself. He served on board the Cossack for a few months, during which the ship was used as an escort unit in the Mediterranean and the North Atlantic. On the 24th of October in 1941, the Cossack had left Gibraltar to escort a convoy to the United Kingdom, where it was then torpedoed by a German submarine. Struck by a torpedo, it suffered serious damage that compromised its stability. The bow was damaged for about a third of the length of the ship, causing 159 victims out of 190 total crew. So about 75% of its crew just gone. Wow. Yep. The destroyer, HMS Legion, tried to tow the damaged ship, but a worsening of weather conditions, well, it didn't succeed. The whole thing failed. The crew, including Oscar, was rescued while Legion, or sorry, the whole crew was rescued by Legion while Cossack sank on October 27th off Gibraltar. The cat did survive, again, obviously, or else we wouldn't even have a tail from this, and he was found, can you guess, what was he doing? Floating on a board. Floating on a piece of plank in the sea. (laughs) When British officers were told what Oscar had been through, they decided on the name Unsinkable Sam was a much more appropriate name for this pet. So (laughs) so you got to think. This guy guy was named Oscar as Man Overboard, but then he just got the nickname Sam. Like that's, that's what it became. The next ship that he would get a job on... Another ship. Yes. Again, I said he survived three, unless you weren't... needed to just not be on ships anymore. At least stay on dry land, sir. Ship needs cat. Cat needs to not be an ocean. Therefore, be on ship. It seems like a very reasonable assumption to make here. All right, let's hear it. So, HMS Royal Ark rescued the HMS Legion in order to take off any survivors. But Sam didn't even have time to settle into this new ship when misfortune knocked at his door again. A few months later, Sam took service on the HMS Royal Ark aircraft carrier, which at the time was looking for a cat as an anti-mouse aid. You know, literally what we talked about, what a cat's whole reason for existing was on ships. 
on a return trip from central Med- from the central mediterranean where the carrier had launched reinforcement planes to malta the hms royal ark was torpedoed by another submarine on november 14th 1941 every attempt to pull the wreck failed because of the enormous leaks from which the sea had entered and the ship capsized about 30 miles off of gibraltar itself <sighs> yeah luckily luckily mind you the sinking of it was slow enough to allow the rescue of the entire crew, with the exception of one man. Unsinkable Sam was later rescued from the water by the crew of the HMS Legion. He was clinging to a floating artifact of a destroyed lance. And Oscar, and this is the little description, I'm going to quote you for it here, because this is what they have it quoted for him. Oscar was described by the crew as unharmed, but angry. He had survived the uh, the violent sinking of three different warships in less than a year. Wow. I'm happy for him, but I just wish he wasn't on any of their ships. Well, he might not have been. That's the whole thing. I'm telling you the story, and this is a very famous story that has been passed down for a long time. So here's the aftermath. After all the sinking, they basically say, okay, this cat is either bad luck or we just feel bad for it. We're not going to do anything with it anymore. Oscar finds a home in the offices of the governor of Gibraltar who thought that Sam had been through too much to serve as the ship's cat again. It was time for him to retire. He was then repatriated to the United Kingdom office where he was supposedly received room and board in the House of Sailors in Belfast. Happy to live far from the sea for the rest of his life, this was his home until his death by natural causes of old age in 1955. And so during his lifetime here, he purportedly became famous. He's remembered in photos from the British ships on which he served and also in a pastel that is literally titled Oscar the Bismarck's Cat by the artist Georgina Shaw Baker, which is exposed in the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich. Hey everyone, Sakuya here. And before we get back to the show, I would just like to thank today's sponsor, eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But we don't actually know if any of this is real. Because there's some authors who claim that the whole thing is likely fiction. Because remember how we said there's two different kinds of images that purport to be Oscar? Well, there are two different images. One is a photograph and one is a painting, but they both seem to depict different cats. Like, they're still black and white cats, but they look to be different, with different kinds of markings. And there's this assumption that it was highly unlikely that anyone would bother saving a cat from a, like, from a boat after it had just been torpedoed. Like, you're at risk of basically being torpedoed again of something happening. Why are you bothering to try and save a cat when they don't know whether or not they're going to be attacked again? And the last thing, and this is this might be the nail in the coffin of the whole thing, no survivors from the Bismarck, and there were actually survivors, like a number of people survived. Not many, but some did survive. None of them actually remembers a cat ever existing on the ship in the first place. 
Now, mind you, we could mark this down to simply sailors don't really remember. There could have been anything that was on there. Who knows where the cat was actually potentially kept at that time. If it was in a specific department, if any of that mattered. But Maybe they didn't like cats, so they didn't notice him. Because <laughs> cats are really hard to notice sometimes, and that's that's okay. Yeah, well, we don't know. That's just the reality of it. But while that story is fake, or might be fake, we don't necessarily know, there is one that is actually true. And this one is its unique. It's funny. So this one is about a dog. Dogs have always been part of the history of warfare. And that's because man's best friend is a friend whether he sticks with them in good times or bad times. its He's literally there forever. Many canine companions have earned enormous respect from their human counterparts in various conflicts. Some were actually even given medals. Others went mostly undocumented or as honorable lists, though that doesn't mean they were forgotten. Like, there were literally lists that just list canine dogs or pigeons or etc. They, maybe they didn't have a specific name. But there are ones that did, such as the story of Gunner an Australian Kelpie dog that had helped save the lives of many with his extraordinary sense of hearing. Now, Gunner was actually found hiding and wounded in a destroyed mess hall after the Darwin Air Force Base was attacked by the Japanese in February of 1942. Yeah. So the Battle of Darwin was the single largest attack on Australian soil in World War II. Many people, when they're thinking about the like Japanese invasions, they're thinking of invasions into the Philippines, uh, like the bombings of, say, Hong Kong, etc., like these takeovers. But the Japanese were actively attacking Australia, and this was the biggest one that they did. They never launched a full invasion of Australia, but they were bombing parts of it. So a group of 242 Japanese aircraft had bombed the small town in which was, well, it was a strategically important Allied base, and they had a harbor there. The Japanese Royal Air Force had delivered a striking blow to Australian military personnel in two separate raids. They destroyed about 30 aircraft, which were mostly on the ground, and they sank 11 ships. The town of Darwin also suffered significant damage as well with a number of civilian casualties, so a number of people lost their lives, and it was not a good event. But within the rage and fury of the battle, a six-month-old shepherd dog was frantically trying to stay alive. While the noise of Japanese bombers and ground attack planes nearly drove this thing insane. When he was found after the attack, this dog had a broken leg, and he was horrified. Like, he didn't want anyone near him. He was scared. He was hurt. He was desperate. He was terrified. He was taken to a field hospital where the doctors initially protested they didn't want to do anything. They couldn't give them any assistance because they didn't have a name. They didn't have a unit. This wasn't like a military dog. They didn't have anything proving that it was one of theirs and not just some kind of stray. So they gave him a unit number, or they gave him rather a name, and they also gave him a serial number. Gunner 0000. And that is how Gunner officially joined the Royal Australian Air Force. That's amazing. I love Gunner. Yeah. Oh, no, it gets better, actually. So leading the aircraft men was a man by the name of Percy Westcott, who was among the airmen who found and took care of this dog. So he became his primary, we're going to use the term owner, uh, but handler is more accurate in this case. And during the first few months, Gunner was deeply shaken by the trauma of the bombing, and he wanted nothing to do with anyone. He was unfriendly. He was sometimes aggressive. But over time, as they took care of this dog, he gradually opened up to them and became more friendly. And Gunner lived up to his name. 
It only took a few weeks for him to demonstrate those skills where one day, while the airport at Darwin was being reconstructed, this dog became really agitated. He started jumping around, barking, whining, just becoming really, really visibly upset. Now, you know what happens with animals in times of natural disasters like earthquakes, tornadoes, etc.? They get very, very anxious. They start pacing, they start barking, they start whining, they start growling. Correct. They seem to have a sixth sense about it. They know something is wrong. I grew up with a lot of German shepherds. They were amazing at sensing earthquakes and everything. Correct. Soon after this whole thing happened, soon after he started acting like that, the sound of aircraft engines were heard over the like over the sky. And a Japanese attack formation, again, appeared overhead. I just need to know, is the dog going to be okay at the end of this? Well, we're going to get to that. <gasps> we're going to get to that. I'm not saying anything. No, you're, you're going to learn. You're going to learn the story. The Japanese, once again, surprised the Australians, but this time they had fewer casualties and damage. The airmen of Darwin had connected the dots later on and realized, hey, this pattern between governor shift, uh, or governors, gunners, shit, like shifting behavior, and the bombing raid. The next time the Japanese decided to attack Darwin, they were fully prepared. More than 20 minutes before their arrival, Gunner had already sounded the alarm. For the first time, the Australians were able to actually repel the attack. It became apparent that Gunner's hearing was so good that he could recognize the approaching enemy aircraft. He gained the trust of all the men in the base, and whenever he headed for cover, whining and squealing and crying, they knew that the Japanese were coming and that they were going to attack. Even though they literally could not sense anything by radar, there was no definitive proof other than this dog is freaking out. He somehow was able to correctly distinguish between the sound of Allied aircraft and that of the Japanese. Without making a single mistake in his entire career, he was able to distinguish between the different sounds of their engines. So, like, I mean, think about that for a second. That's like if we had a dog, and when, I, when I'm pulling down the street, we, that dog is able to distinguish between my Toyota Hybrid and your Jeep. And it can just, it knows. It knows the distinct sound of that engine, except in this case, it's an aircraft that is miles off in the distance. That's amazing. Exactly. And so his trait was taken very seriously at a time of war. Wing Commander McFarlane even issued an order by which a portable air raid siren was to be activated whenever Gunner showed even the faintest signs of alert. His role was regarded as pivotal in defending Darwin's airport and harbor, and Gunner was well accepted and loved among his men. He slept under his caretaker's bed, he was showered with the soldiers, and he even watched movies with them during rest and recuperation. He even accompanied the pilots to their practice takeoffs. Now, in 1943, Westcott, who was responsible for Gunner's well-being, was transferred over to Melbourne. The dog alarm was placed under the supervision and care of the company's butcher, and at that point, that's really it. Whether he actually survived, we don't know. What? No, we don't. There's no. There's no other information. Apart from the legend that grew around him, his existence was rarely mentioned in official military documents at the time. So, other than that, we just know of this dog that did exist and then didn't really go down in any other records. Now, there are other tales. There are some that are darker. There's one that I want to tell you to one time. I mean, you think this one is sad. There's others. There's others for it, which in the end end very well. But it's... Did you ever watch like Balto and other stuff like that here? There are some really crazy tales when it comes to animals. 
But we can talk about that next time. I thank you all for listening to this podcast. Let us know what it is that you think. Let us know what other kinds of stories or other things that you want to hear. Check us out on our Discord. Check us out uh, on any other platforms, TikTok, YouTube, etc. And other than that, I will see you all next time. Thanks for joining in. Don't forget to leave us a review. Goodbye.